Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Is it the movie Anchorman where uh, Brick Tamlin, one of the characters in the movie, is like, loud noises? Is that is that the, is that the movie uh, that I'm thinking of? Uh, anyway, a lot of loud noises coming out of Auburn here this weekend. A lot of yelling and a lot of noise. And you know, I kind of think of myself as a little bit of a hype man. Boy, they were hyping them up at Auburn this weekend. Hyping them up like we hadn't seen since I don't even know when. So we're going to get to that in a couple of minutes, try to figure out what all of that means, especially as the part that relates to Georgia. But prior to that it just sort of seems like UGA kind of the exact opposite in a lot of ways now listen I like you know kind of hype and noise and things like that but there is something that I very much respect about the way that Georgia goes about its business here just kind of quietly taking care of it kind of quietly handle its business you know it's like uh, LJ McRae big time four-star defensive lineman's on campus this weekend he put out some nice stuff on Twitter seems like he really enjoyed himself and Georgia made a nice impression on him got very little in the way of headlines Georgia fans were at the pool or whatever else I'm not even sure they even noticed that necessarily uh but just kind of quietly Georgia going about its business Sunday night Georgia sort of ho-hum relaxed casually picks up a four-star linebacker a guy kind of knocking on the door of being a top 100 commit or recruit I should say it just you know kind of ho-hum business as usual you know no one's blowing you know it up out of proportion no one's losing their mind Georgia fans are obviously happy about it you you celebrate the news and yet it ultimately doesn't probably generate nearly the the uh excitement of like Auburn fans would have had you believe this weekend they had a guy uh, and we'll obviously we'll get more of this moment who almost committed and Auburn fans are out there high-fiving the almost commits Georgia actually got you know a pretty t- uh, you know big time commit it doesn't get quite as much attention and all that but you know Georgia did add obviously a very good player here this weekend Chris Jones as said before four-star linebacker this is a guy we actually played some audio from I think it was on Friday show I guess it would have been Friday Thursday Friday anyway where you know Jones had talked about the fact that uh, Georgia had you know just lost to Marcus Riddick he went to Auburn there as well Auburn's been doing a lot of stuff here as of, as of late but what Jones told us from his interview with before the edges on presented by Kroger on Wednesday was is that Georgia been in contact with him about the Riddick situation for a long time the Georgia obviously kind of knew you know what the status was there and uh, a guy like Jones sort of viewed that as good news of well if Riddick doesn't want to be a part of this class if he doesn't want to you know continue on the string of national championships my hands in the air I'd love to be able to do this and Georgia obviously you know kind of followed through on that got the commitment there on Sunday Jeff Sintel did a terrific job on video last night Jeff's been busy uh, since coming back from vacation doing a lot of great stuff as I said before a great episode of Before the Hedges this past Wednesday good stuff last night on the subject of Christopher Jones so to kind of give you an idea of you know what Jones brings to the table here uh, for UGA let me give you a little bit in the way of analysis from Jeff who provided this on video last night this is Jeff's really strong positional versatility here for christopher jones the things that sticks out you watch him on film could be the wheel backer could be the mic backer the traditional downhill stand-up backer but he has got a lot of pass rush excellence to his game he's going to be a two-way linebacker he's going to play linebacker for his high school team at fairfax high in fairfax virginia he's also going to be a running back shooting for maybe 1200 yards rushing 120 tackles that's what he's capable of 
So a couple of things from what Jeff says there that I want to kind of break down here for a moment. First of all, I think one of the most interesting things about the recruits that Georgia goes after or like any kind of like sort of big time recruit kind of at this sort of high SEC level is is the, it's that ability to kind of play on both sides of the ball at the high school level that I think goes a long way towards determining how good of a college athlete you're going to be able to be. That sometimes you see more of the athleticism on the offensive side than you're able to sometimes see defense-wise because, honestly, you know, a halfway you know decent coach, you're going to try to do everything you can to avoid you on the defensive side of the ball. I, I go back to, like, say, Keely Ringo when he was a prospect, you know, coming out of Arizona. Keely obviously had a very good career at Georgia, became a historic figure because – of his interception against Alabama, the 2021 National Championship game. You go back and watch some of that high school film. It was what he was doing on the offensive side of the ball as a high school athlete that gave you an idea of how high his ceiling could be at a place like Georgia. He wasn't going to play on the offensive side of the ball at Georgia, but seeing him in the offensive side in high school gave you a pretty good indication about all that. I think that uh, K.J. Bold's a little bit like that right now. Bolden, wherever he goes to college, obviously Georgia fans hope it's Georgia. They see him as a safety. But when you watch him play for Buford here this season, you're going to see him as a wide receiver. And what he does as a wide receiver goes a long way towards kind of really showing you how great of a defensive back he can be in college. In the case of Jones here, I think it's the the same kind of deal where, hey, you want to know how good of a linebacker he can be at the SEC level? Watch him carry the football uh, during his senior season up in Virginia here right now. That shows you the overall athleticism. Now, the other thing that comes out here is, as Jeff said, hey, this is an inside linebacker, whether it be, you know, kind of a, a Will or Mike or whatever else, whatever specific position that he plays but big-time ability as an interior pass rusher. Now, close your eyes for a moment. What looks more Georgia than that? When Georgia really needs to get after you, how many times, especially 2021 season, it seems like we saw a ton of this in 2021. When Georgia really needs to get after you, what do they do? They send that kind of like blitzing linebacker up the middle. That's what N'Kobe Dean was so good at. He's like a missile, just shooting straight up the middle of an offense after a quarterback. That Georgia really likes to bring that pass pressure from the interior of its linebackers from time to time. And Jeff says, hey, that's what Jones already does well. You think of him as an inside linebacker, but this is a guy who is going to have advanced pass rushing skills to me that fits in really well with what georgia sort of looks like from its linebackers is 90 percent of the time in the in the games that georgia plays against the opponents that it plays that kind of stuff doesn't really matter all that much because georgia's just killing people so you don't necessarily need that but when you really need to flummox a quarterback when you really need to go out there and make it tough on an opposing offense sending pressure from all over the place becomes the kind of way in which georgia seemingly does that and a lot of that interior pass rush where the big defensive linemen occupy the blockers and then linebackers get to run in free we saw so much of that in kind of the best performances from the georgia defense in recent years it sounds like jones could be a nice fit in doing all of that so very very quietly georgia has itself a very good recruiting weekend adding a linebacker the caliber of jones impressing some other recruits were on campus this weekend now on the flip side of that uh auburn has all kinds of noise all kinds of excitement it's the big cat weekend after all now i have to confess something as it relates to georgia until this weekend i had almost forgotten that auburn existed i had almost forgotten that auburn was even a thing right i mean before this weekend i'm not trying to be funny or sarcastic or or whatever else i'm trying to be as like honest as i can possibly be for those of you that that have followed this stuff this weekend what happened was auburn had one of its big kind of marquee recruiting weekends they call it big cat weekend there were a number of 
either Georgia commits or Georgia targets who were there. The commits, Nye Carr, the wide receiver, was there. Jaden Perlotti, the 2025 uh, linebacker out of Buford, uh, he was there. Uh, K.J. Bolden was obviously there. We'll get more into the Bolden part of this coming up in a moment. So it was a very big weekend for Auburn. They flipped the five-star wide receiver away from Alabama. We're going to talk more about that later on in our show. Like, I'm going to kind of, you know, I guess be sort of blowhardy about this. But on the one hand, I'm not going to, like, sugarcoat the fact that you know auburn had seemingly itself a very good weekend but up until this weekend when was the last time you had thought about auburn at all like like when was the last time that that auburn did something that got you on that got them on your radar whatsoever i was saying this to our video audience before our show started today do you have to go back to like 2019 when georgia played on the road there uh, had the 21 nothing lead Auburn scored a couple touchdowns to kind of drive late to have a chance to tie the game ultimately it didn't that's when Georgia won the East Kirby gave you the HBTFD after the game has Auburn and I'm not even saying they were all that relevant then but have they been relevant at all in the eyes of a Georgia fan since then so it's almost like a nostalgia it's a throwback like I remember the old days back when Auburn was a thing and this weekend almost sort of felt like one of those type deals right there it's like wow Auburn's back Auburn's you know trying to trying to they're trying to field a football team again they're actually trying in football the basketball school uh, discovered they had a, a football team again so there's something kind of like I guess sort of quaint and nostalgic with the fact that Auburn fans care about football here once again but it does kind of demonstrate just how wildly different Georgia is from its rivals and the truth is if I was in a position where Auburn is with a brand new head coach thankful that I don't have you know the dunce that we used to have here if if I was an Auburn fan feeling that way about my program obviously you know Brian Harson below the standard of what's needed in the SEC Hugh Freeze a huge upgrade compared to that then guess what I would be trying to be as noisy as I could possibly be I, I would try to rattle as many pots and pans together as I could and throw around like allegedly nil dollars left and right all over the place you know drop my wallet on the floor i I, i'd do anything i could to get the attention here because auburn rightly so is desperate for attention but just notice that the attention and the energy that auburn created for this weekend did not slow georgia down at all i mentioned a guy like lj mccray having a good time taking a visit to georgia a linebacker like christopher jones a real live top 100-ish, I think he's somewhere around 130 or so, four-star linebacker, like big-time prospect in anybody's books, just quietly commits to Georgia over the weekend. That Auburn creating all the energy and the noise and the enthusiasm that it did did not slow Georgia down really at all. Georgia content to be quiet. Georgia content to be businesslike. Georgia content to, you know, they don't have big grand opening sale, right? You know, Auburn's like the doorbuster savings. It's like Black Friday uh, when it comes to Auburn. You know, Georgia's an established brand. They don't have to do that. They don't have to have, you know, 50% off coupons. They just take care of business and folks show up like Christopher Jones did here this weekend. So maybe keep that in mind for what I'm about to tell you because obviously KJ Bolden, was apparently quite swayed by his uh his trip to Auburn here this weekend. I believe one of the outlets had the report that he almost committed. He was almost persuaded. I guess that makes him the King Agrippa of five-star recruits, which is a very specific kind of joke for a specific kind of person. But nonetheless, Bolden 
was apparently very impressed by what he saw at Auburn. I'll show you this. My friends over at On3, Ace Fawcett, uh, who's got a good relationship with a lot of these recruits, you know, had this from uh, Bolden, who's now very open, that Auburn outdid themselves on this visit. They are definitely top two on my list. That's K.J. Bolden. I saw some people online were like, uh, well, Florida State's the other one in this top two. Georgia's not even in the, uh, in the running anymore for K.J. Bolden. Obviously, I don't believe that's true, but I'll go back to what I told you last week. There is some authentic mystery and intrigue with K.J. Bolden's recruitment. There really is. The Georgia fans and the, you know, sort of online type Georgia folks who've kind of felt like Georgia was in a good spot here, I think the entire time they have had good reason to feel that way. I I will tell you, going back to Friday's show, I probably came away feeling better about Bolden to Georgia than I had prior to that because of a point that Jeff Sintel made on the show. The fact that it's Kirby Smart in particular who's had such a close relationship with Bolden. And the, all these visits that Bolden's taken to Georgia, I believe Jeff has told us, maybe, maybe KJ himself said in the interview the other day with, with, with uh, Dog Nation, he's taken like 16 visits to Georgia. And in those particular visits, it's been the, the relationship with Kirby Smart in particular that's grown strong here. That Smart himself, the head coach, is a very big factor in this recruitment. And I think that's one of the things that has made Georgia fans feel pretty confident about this which is that Kirby Smart has taken such a lead role in the recruitment of KJ Bolden so if you're a Georgia fan you would obviously feel really good about that but at the same time y'all I'm not in the business of lying to y'all or you know just sugarcoating things tell you know things you want to hear whether it's true or not at the same time while there's reason to feel like it's you know good potentially for Georgia and KJ Bolden the pursuit of these other schools has always sort of felt very real too that if all I was doing was risking my reputation then yeah I'll make a pick KJ's going to go to Georgia but if I was forced to risk my mortgage my you know kids future they're I don't even know how much a college fund we have, but theoretically, if there was a college fund in place, would I risk it for my, uh, you know, you know, you know, betting KJ Bolden to go to Georgia? No, I, I wouldn't, and that's true whether the push is coming from Florida State or as it did from Auburn here this weekend. So, so ultimately, you know, the the noise being made by Auburn probably does not impact the way I feel about anything very much at all. Clearly, this weekend, there is evidence it didn't slow down the Georgia recruiting machine. Georgia got a very nice commit, hosted some nice visitors itself, and didn't have to like market the weekend as anything special. This is just what Georgia does every single weekend. And when it comes to what K.J. Bolden's going to decide on August 5th, maybe he chooses Georgia, maybe he chooses somewhere else. That was always the possibilities, no matter what. But the things that has made Georgia, Georgia, I think are still in place here. And the reasons that Georgia fans have felt confident that Bolden might choose them I think those reasons are just as strong as ever. I'll welcome Auburn back into the competition here in major college football. Some of us has been doing this for years. The fact that Auburn's taken the last few years off, I guess, is the kind of thing we have to look themselves in the mirror or bow. But this is the way that it's supposed to go in the SEC. A program like Georgia's obviously got, you know, a lot to sell and a lot to offer here right now. Other programs are going to try to chip away at that. Auburn's essentially kind of been lying dormant now for a good while, but apparently they don't want to be that way anymore. So, I think the only thing a Georgia fan can do is welcome them back to the competition. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, episode 1999 of our program. That means tomorrow we celebrate our 2000th episode. I can't even believe it. It's really amazing. I'm excited about it. I promise y'all we're not going to... 
I'm not going to beat your head, beat you over the head with this too much. I, you know, a lot of y'all just want the show. You don't care what number it is. You don't care about the uh, walk down memory lane. You don't care about all that kind of stuff. I totally get that. But you know, this is one of those deals where somehow I've managed not to get fired for all these years. So I'm at least going to take some moment to celebrate some of that tomorrow. And obviously, a big thanks to our friends like Palo Endo and Door of Georgia who make it all possible. Because truly could not uh do this without great sponsors by the way if you want to go back to early days of the show that's one of the things that probably stands out more than anything else we didn't have any sponsors for a good while we were just sort of doing the show and just hoping people would tune in and uh and join us thankfully they did and uh if, you know after that obviously we've been able to kind of build some sponsorship here and make a living doing this but early days of the show no sponsorship whatsoever so very very thankful that not only an audience has found us but we've been able to serve uh, that audience by letting them know about some great sponsors who want to take good care of them too like our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia today now listen a show like ours hopefully we're built on a firm foundation that's allowed us to last this long well taking good care of a home much like we try to take good care of our show very important there as well and that is what Pella Window and Door of Georgia is all about including what kind of matters most maybe that view that look on the outside of your house obviously curb appeal really important allows you to be a great neighbor but it also allows you to potentially have better resale value when it's trying when it's time to sort of think about all of that and that's what quality windows and doors the likes of which the pella window and door of georgia provides for you so it's time to kind of get yourself acquainted with them maybe to even have a consultation either in person or online with one of those pella experts let them walk through the entire product line for you your installation options if necessary your financial options there as well and allow them in a no pressure way to explain what makes the Pella product so much better so special why it's been recognized year after year and survey after survey by homeowners here in our market area as truly uh, the market leader when it comes to all of this also take uh, advantage of great savings here right now and really today's the last day to do this uh, it's 10% off your entire project or no payments, no interest for 12 months. Last day to take advantage of that. So reach out and call today, 678-638-1429. That's 678-638-1429. Also find them online, PellaofGA.com slash dognation. That's PellaofGA.com slash dognation. Also stop by and see them. Experience Center right there in Duluth. But when you talk to them, tell them that BA from Dog Nation Daily on his 1900th, 99th episode said they would take good care of you because I truly know that they will good stuff with our friends at Pella window and door of George it's John Stinchcomb coming up we'll remind you in a moment as well about a really fun contest we're doing here around dog nation here right now only a few more days take advantage and up and, and and enjoy all of this but for now let's go around the doghouse and I regret to inform you that the Ohio State Buckeyes who have spent the entire offseason just whining Ryan Day has been the worst well, guess what? It continues. Now, I told you before, I don't have a ton of respect for Ryan Day. I just don't see him of the same stature as the other coaches, many of the others that, that Georgia does battle with. Obviously, a guy like Nick Saban, he's won a ton. Like, Saban has established himself as a truly worthy adversary. And if and when Saban ever hangs it up, maybe sooner than some Alabama fans think, when he does walk away from the coaching profession, figuratively speaking, Georgia fans will take their hat off to Saban. They would offer that handshake to say, my gosh, uh, what a competitor, You know, what a, what a force to be reckoned with. The guy who, in a lot of ways, gave Georgia the gift of 
hey, we got to be at our very best. We got to raise our standard to make sure we, as a program, both the donors who are giving, the coaches who are coaching, the players who are playing, the administrators who are administrating, everybody's got to be at their best because of the standard that Nick Saban has, you know, sort of established Alabama in a lot of ways Saban actually gifted Georgia with the motivation that it needed to become the program that it is right now he deserves our respect in exchange for that and I believe the Georgia fans will give it to him you don't have to like him you can make fun of him when you when when it warrants you can obviously do you know sort of battle with him but when it's all said and done Saban is worthy of uh your respect and I believe the Georgia fans have given it to him Ryan Day has not accomplished anywhere near as much uh Ryan Day is not obviously worthy of the same level of respect therefore we don't extend it to him um but marvin harrison jr a player on the ohio state roster i actually feel a bit different about no one would dispute that marvin harrison jr is an outstanding player and a very very uh tough competitor obviously in the early stage of that game against ohio state you know back in december ohio uh, harrison was given georgia fits and on the very short list of very best players in college football Harrison is, of course, on that list. No Georgia fan would ever say a bad word about Marvin Harrison Jr. as a player. But when Harrison goes down the road of making the same kind of excuses that his head coach Ryan Day has been making all year long, that at that point in time, Georgia fans are also going to have just as much of an issue with Marvin Harrison Jr., even though he's actually good at his job. Uh, they're going to have just as much of an issue with Harrison Jr. as they would with Ryan Day. And unfortunately, you go back to Big Ten media days, evidence this is the case. Harrison's being interviewed by Dennis Dodd from CBSSports.com. Now, in some respects, I guess he's being sort of led in this direction by Dodd, but Harrison doesn't have much of a problem going this direction either. It certainly does not seem really just kind of you know talking about the, the the play that he got injured on the the clean hit by Javon Bullard that that uh I saw a Big Ten official this week was like it should have been a personal foul well guess what uh, of course the, the Big Ten guy is going to stick up for the Big Ten conference you know kind of in the bag for them it's not not a huge surprise necessarily I don't guess but uh, Harrison Jr. with Dennis Dodd saying, if Javon Bullard hadn't played so rough, if this Georgia team wasn't so mean, then I would have been healthy and on the field and our team would have won the game. This is Javon, This is uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. with Dennis Dodd. Take a listen to this. Do you guys feel like you maybe let one get away against Georgia? Yeah, we did. Uh, I think it came down to you know, a couple of plays here and there towards the end of the game. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to play in that fourth quarter. If you had played, would it have been a different story in yes. the fourth quarter? Yeah, I think we go on to you know, win that game against Georgia, and I like our chances in the national championship. I mean, it's just disgusting. It's just disgusting. And this is one of the real shames in life, which is, you know, a team takes on the personality of its coach that whatever a coach either instills or tolerates, that becomes the overall personality of a team. And you see this. A fiery competitor like Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to probably make $100 million over the course of his career playing the NFL has been reduced to nothing more than just a, you know, sniveling whiny you know guy just like Day is. Unfortunately, you know, Day has cultivated this sort of like weakness amongst his team this sort of whining amongst his team and now a guy like marvin harrison jr comes across as no better even though clearly we know him to be a very good player but he's been reduced to to you know this sort of beta role here because of the fact that he's simply following the footsteps 
of his head coach, uh, Ryan Day. And in one respect, the sort of shame of this is we'll never know how Kirby Smart feels about all this because when Smart speaks to the reporters this week, he's obviously going to kick off uh, Georgia summer camp. If we went to Kirby and said, hey, Kirby, did you hear Marvin Harrison Jr.? He says they would have won the Peach Bowl if he hadn't gotten hurt. If, if Javon Buller hadn't played so rough, uh, then, then uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. could have stayed in that game and they could have won the game. And Kirby would never answer that question. But on a show like this, that doesn't stop us from wondering what Kirby might think about this. And Kirby will never speak about this openly, but we're sort of sometimes left to conclude maybe there are some subliminal messages through the years that do give us a little bit of an idea about how Kirby might think about this kind of thing. In fact, let's go back to two summers ago. This is when Kirby was in Birmingham and you know, he does that celebrity pro-am golf tournament there. And he was on the radio with the Cole Kublik, Greg McElroy show, McElroy, one of the normal hosts. And uh, McElroy, I guess, was getting ready to play in the golf tournament. And so Kirby was talking about McElroy not wanting to hit any balls on the driving range prior to playing golf and you got to keep in mind McElroy the former Alabama quarterback so what Kirby's about to say here had extra weight then because it was the former Alabama quarterback he was talking about but Kirby kind of in the midst of talking about a completely different subject Greg McElroy hitting balls in the driving range would seem like it has nothing to do with Marvin Harrison Jr. you know whining about uh, Javon Bullard playing too rough it would seem like these two things have nothing in common with each other but when you hear Kirby Smart talking about this you kind of get a little bit of a glimpse into how Kirby Smart feels about excuses of, well, it was a rebuilding year, or if not for Jamison Williams and John Mechie, now it's Marvin Harrison Jr. Kirby Smart sometimes will give you a little bit of a window into his soul, and we find out how he kind of thinks about excuses. So what you just heard from Marvin Harrison Jr., here's how we think Kirby Smart might respond to some of that. This is Kirby from last summer. He's got a built-in excuse. You know, he didn't hit balls, so I don't want to use excuses. Oh, wow. I'm not an excuse guy. There I want we go. go out there and hit balls and say, you know what, if I don't play well, it's on my talent level. It's not yes, about sir. excuses. Let him know, like excuses. That is a head coach right there. That's you, all talking You already That's all have talking predetermined about. what your competitor's excuses may be. Oh, yes, so sir. You're, you're set. You're ready to go. There's nothing worse than let somebody make excuses. Oh, so there you go. There you go. Now, this is out of context. This is unfair. This is, I don't know, reckless, whatever else. But if you want to know how Kirby Smart maybe thinks about Marvin Harrison Jr. saying, Javon Bullard hit me too hard. If you want to know how Kirby Smart maybe thinks about that, then we've kind of isolated it now just for posterity's sake, just to sort of preserve, you know, uh, in the future. This is how we think Kirby Smart would maybe like to answer the question if he ever got a chance to. Let's hear it one more time here, very short. There's nothing worse than let somebody make excuses. There you go. There you go. Can I hear that one more time? Just make sure people got that. This is how we think Kirby Smart might respond to what Marvin Harrison Jr. just said. It's nothing worse than let somebody make excuses. I tell you what, just in case, because a lot of those people in Columbus, you know, they they got their hard of hearing. You know, the, the whining's been so loud, it's still ringing in their ears. Just in case somebody may have missed this, this is what we think Kirby Smart might say to Marvin Harrison Jr. saying, "If only Javon Bullard had done something different, other than uh, make a good clean hit. If only I could have avoided that somehow, some way." This is one more time what we think Kirby Smart would say to that. It's nothing worse than let somebody make excuses. 
There is indeed nothing worse than listen to somebody make excuses. And that is Around the Doghouse here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia here today. All right, so we did a lot of recruiting stuff off the top of the program today. There's actually more recruiting stuff a little bit later on. Now, I kind of, I don't know, halfway joked about the Auburn stuff a moment ago. I do think the potential of emergence for Auburn here is actually a real problem for another SEC power not named George. I'll tell you more about why that is. Also, there's interesting news not related to any kind of visit situation or anything like that, but a Georgia commit is in the news here this weekend. We'll tell you about that, what's going on there on that front. So a lot to do there on that. But before that, a guy that I had a chance to spend the weekend with, at least a little bit of the weekend, I had a great time with. Uh, also, former Georgia coach uh, Mark Richt on hand for that there, too. What a great, good time that was at the D1 training facility there on Saturday. John Stinchcomb always having a good time hanging out with dog fans. It was a great way to kind of get our season started. And we're rolling through it. So for now, with that and everything else going on around Georgia football, let's talk to John Stinchcomb here right now on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella, window and door of Georgia. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. All right, so much talk to John Stimpscomb about it. I'm always happy to do that here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. John, before we get there on that, though, just have to kind of just say once again how much fun it was on Saturday. I loved seeing Coach Rick and... You know, obviously, I love seeing the outpouring of love that Georgia fans still show to him. That, I think, is an incredible thing and, and, and so nice to be able to see. I, I like seeing you there as well. Uh, David Green, your former teammate, uh, Bakari Rambo, Tim Worley, obviously one of my favorites growing up. It was just such a good time to be uh, around uh, Georgia fans on Saturday and kind of a great way to kind of get us ready for the season uh, that's on its way. I hope it was as much fun for you as it was for me. I loved every second of it. One, I loved just being with Coach Rick and other players, uh, just being around him. Such a great man, great coach, uh, so influential and a very important time in my life. So uh, to be back with him is, is always a pleasure. And to see the fan adoration that still exists for him uh, was uh, a pleasure for all of us. I also, might I add, I enjoyed being with the rest of the Adams family. That's and, right. Uh, yeah, it was good to be with them too. My so, son was there. My, my daughter was there. Now my my son cares a whole lot more about you and Coach Rick. Not like my daughter. My daughter probably does not care as much about that as the rest of the folks in the building do. But for my son, it was a big thrill to be around you and all those other former Georgia players and obviously Coach Rick, who he's heard so many great things about. Uh, so he was all into all of that. And so uh, our, our family had a great time. And I'll say this too, John, before we move on. You know, you and I are in kind of a unique position in the fact that we meet a lot more Georgia fans than the average Georgia fan gets to, right? Because we get a chance to do things like this from time to time. And I got to tell you, I never get tired of it. I love seeing the passion that exists amongst UGA fans, especially this time of year, because almost everybody that I talk to was just absolutely in agreement that they're so happy that the season's almost here. It's almost kind of upon us. And I don't know, there's that huge level of enthusiasm as you would imagine for this team this upcoming season and i wish all georgia fans got the experience that you and i get to have a lot which is you know hanging out meeting a lot of these georgia fans and spending time with them you just realize what a cool thing we have here around dog nation because there is such a special vibe amongst these amongst these fans that is just so contagious and i anytime we do an event like this i always leave so much happier because georgia fans are just really fun to spend time with it's one of the best fan bases in all of sports, and 
anytime I get an opportunity to look up from interaction with fans and seeing you sign a heavyweight belt uh, right. was a real highlight for me. So, you know, the, the fan base was exceptional as always. I think the excitement leading up to the season is exactly where it should be. You know, the talk of three-peat and just the appreciation of uh, being once again uh, defending national champions is uh, such a, a point of pride for so many. And it was expressed on Saturday, and it was, I'm sure, just a, a small uh, representation of what fans across this country uh, are experiencing as, as Georgia gets ready to uh, go at it once again and, and chase after that national championship, which they've been able to find for these past couple of years. So, John, to completely change the subject, something much more negative, I regret to inform you that Ohio State's back at it again. Uh, it has been that uh, for the offseason. Ryan Day will not let it go. The, the, the whining, the complaining about the, the hit by Javon Bullard on Marvin Harrison Jr. late in that game. Replay has shown over and over again that it should not have been a penalty, so therefore Day wants to do away with replay since it doesn't validate his feelings. And now you've got Marvin Harrison Jr., who, John, I like. I mean, listen, what Georgia fan does not have respect for Harrison Jr. as a player? Hopefully they all do. He's a terrific player. But unfortunately, he has seen behavior modeled by his coach, Ryan Day, of excuse-making and whining. And, and, and now Harrison Jr. is behaving in a manner that's no better. You know, telling Dennis Dodd this week, he would think that uh, if he had not got hurt, Ohio State would have gone on to win that game. To me, John, this is just conduct unbecoming of a, a championship-level team. Uh, you know, Georgia was in a situation back out of the 2017 season where you had the, you know, the Tyler Simmons is on sides, and obviously Georgia fans were very bothered by that, and a lot of times, you know, they still joke about that. Kirby Smart didn't do that. Georgia players didn't do that. They buckled their chin strap. They got back to work, and it'd be nice if Ohio State was capable of the same kind of behavior here. You know, I, I think it's a real shame the way the Buckeyes have behaved since this Peach Bowl game, and I don't mind telling you that, John. <laughs> I can feel your passion, B.A. What's funny is this is a tale as old as time, right? If this, then that, right? If if we would have made this play, if, you know, we didn't get hit in the back of the – whatever. Who cares? It did happen. So you can play that game in every game, every season. I mean, I, I think back to when we were – coming out of college, getting ready for the NFL, and you train with guys from across the country. And there was a couple guys from Tennessee who were saying, well, if we would uh well, I don't care, you didn't. So you got to move on. And, and what's expected really from coaches more than anything is leadership and ability to say that it, 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 the way it played out is the way it played out. We can't control the past. The only thing we can control is the future. But to see some of these teams, Ohio State, and let's throw Michigan in yeah. in this boat as well, they can't get over it. And it's, you know, that there's Georgia days, and there's still discussion of, well, we, you know, we weren't treated fair. Bullcrap. you got to go out there and win. There's never a game that's officiated just the way you want it or the plays uh, fall the way they should in your mind. That's the nature of the beast, and you've got to be able to – you know, but just wipe away your tears and move on. And it seems like uh, what's being modeled to uh, to so many is this behavior of, you know, this disgruntled, we're going to use it as motivation. Well, you can use whatever kind of motivation you want. The game's not going <laughs> to change. You, you lost it, move on. 
Let me make a serious point about uh, something in relationship to all this here just for a moment, though, which is I think in all of this, you sort of see what makes Georgia Georgia. I'm not talking about the way they talk about things. I'm talking about the fact that if you are one wide receiver injury away from not being able to win a football game, then you're too fragile as a football team. And that's true for Ohio State with Marvin Harrison Jr. And it's true for Alabama with Jamison Williams. Now, Georgia has not had wide receivers of that caliber, not a not a Jamison, you know, you know, not a uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. But guess what? Brock Bowers is really good. But if Bowers had gotten hurt in whatever game, I, I don't know that Georgia fans would have been feeling like, well, Georgia's chances of winning this game are completely ruined and Bowers is a guy who may be a top five pick so from a playmaking standpoint he's as good as anybody that what Georgia has built over the course of the last couple of years is this anti-fragile football team this football team that isn't sort of you know you know there's no nucleus of power that if you kind of took that away the whole thing would fall apart you know there is no one thing that makes the entire organization kind of hum it's it's decentralized right it's it's offensive line but it's also defensive line it's defensive secondary but it's also running backs it's it's, it's 10 coaches who all have incredible value that, that there's this level of power and strength that sort of spread out across the organization you couldn't take any one thing away and cripple Georgia. Whereas for a program like Ohio State, Marvin Harrison Jr. is so head and shoulders better than most of the players on that team that if you do take him away, it does seem like Ohio State is kind of somewhat crippled, which sort of speaks to the fragile nature of that football team and the fragile nature of what Alabama was in 2021. As long as it's pristine conditions and everybody's healthy and nobody's playing too rough, then yeah, you've got a great chance to win. But the moment football becomes football, all of a sudden you don't quite feel quite as strong of a team anymore. And that is sort of what has made Georgia Georgia the fact that they are just as a as an organization so much less fragile. And I and I mean that I literally I mean like that is what has made Georgia Georgia you couldn't take a player off the team and ruin Georgia's chances of winning a game well we think we saw that with George Pickens and the the fact that he missed so much time and yet Georgia continued to motor on and recognized that they weren't built just around one player and you know I think similar can be said for A.D. Mitchell and you know there's been a number of guys that have not been available um at times, but yet Georgia keeps on humming. And I think that's what separates truly great teams. Now, that would any team want their very best players to be out on the field? Yeah, of course. And Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, no different. They are uh, the elite teams. There is the haves and the have-nots, and, and those uh, programs in particular are the haves. And you know, there does that mean that every other team doesn't have a chance? Well, it, they've got to do things right to even compete. And um, I think when you're playing against the best, you obviously want your best. But um, if you are reliant solely on a couple, one, two, three individuals, and that where they go, your team goes, that's not the recipe for success. And that's not the way Georgia's built. I think we're they have won um, in, in the Kirby Smart era is that the, the cupboards are so deep. I mean, you, you look at the roster and you, if you get, you know, if you get down to the twos and sometimes threes, you've got guys that are very capable and that any team across the country would uh, be thrilled to have them out on the field. And that's where you win games. And, 
there's plenty of testament to that as to, to how it holds true. But, you know, the game of football is brutal, and you're not always going to be uh, at 100% roster-wise or as an individual, and you still have to be able to go out there and compete and win games. John, I'm going to beg your pardon for one thing for one second. We've got a lot more we want to do with you, but there's something a moment ago I forgot to do, so let me make sure I do this right now. We'll get back to John Stinchcomb here. I do want to remind you, though, that if you have not submitted a nominee for our Celebrating Outstanding Teachers contest, courtesy of Kroger, this is really the time to do it. In fact, this is your last week to kind of get involved on all of that. So if you go to dognation.com, we have made it so easy for you. And you, by virtue of nominating a teacher, could also be a winner there as well. Because if your teacher that you nominate wins, you also win. You get a $50 gift card courtesy of Kroger and a Dog Nation gift bag, which includes a Dog Nation t-shirt and so many cool things. And the teachers who win, they get four incredible gift cards there as well. 100 bucks to Kroger, $50 to Home Chef and Bath and Body Works. And also Target there, too. So four great gift cards going the way of our teachers. The nominators have a chance to be a winner, too. Next week, each day, we're going to announce an outstanding teacher, courtesy of Kroger. So we're celebrating going back to school. Kroger's on top of all of that. Go to dognation.com, nominate a teacher, uh, and let's see if you can be a winner. And let's certainly celebrate some great teachers as we roll into that next week. Dognation.com for a lot of more details on that john i apologize for keeping you waiting but i was derelict of my duties there a moment ago i want to talk about something else we talked about uh, off the top of the show here a little bit and that is the reemergence of auburn as a team that's now trying once again now i i'm not trying to be sarcastic when i say that because the last couple of years i think auburn fans themselves were saying that they really have not been trying. I think the boosters around that program disliked Brian Harson so much, thought he was so below the standard of what an SEC coach was supposed to be. They didn't want to help at all. They, you know, they wanted to just sort of let him kind of flame out, stay out of the way, and then once the Auburn administrators who had hired him realized how much of an error they had made, they would bring in a new coach. You know, he'd have a little bit more of a tie to the SEC, and they'd kind of get back to the business of football, which is basically what's happening now with Hugh Free. So. The point that I've kind of tried to make about this is, is if Georgia's plan for college football dominance requires Auburn not trying, then it's not much of a plan to begin with. Because, of course, these SEC rivals are going to try to put their best foot forward there as well. That's kind of what Auburn did this weekend with its Big Cat weekend. Hosted a couple of Georgia commits, uh, hosted a big-time Georgia target, flipped a receiver away from Alabama. Like, they're trying again. They're out there doing everything they could possibly do. And maybe they're using NIL, or maybe they're using early playing time, or maybe they're using whatever, but... Of course, you're going to use everything at your disposal to try to get back in the race for the top of the SEC. So, you know, I'm not going to tell people it's not real. Of course, it's real. Of course, Auburn is now trying to field a good football team again, something they probably should have been doing the entire time anyway. Uh, but I'm also, as a Georgia fan and as someone who talks to Georgia fans on a daily basis, I'm not all that worried about this from a Georgia standpoint as of yet. This is just the way the SEC is supposed to be. Your rivals are going to try to steal your recruits, and we all have, I think, should have pretty thick skin about all of this. Uh, what what do you make of the, I guess, the reemergence of Auburn here under Hugh Freeze? Well, I think it's the change has been that they've been so irrelevant. That's what's startling to me. Other teams trying to compete and vie for the – Top recruits is nothing new. You look at Tennessee and Texas A&M in recent years and their desire to be better than what they've been. Um, that's a big piece of it. You got to get the players. You got to have top-notch players. That's one of the 
best things that Kirby Smart has brought to the University of Georgia is competing annually for the top class of recruits, recognizing that you have to have the best players. If you're going to vie for a national championship on an annual basis, well, you're going to have to have the guys to do that. And um, that's nothing new. Uh, the, The cup bearer for years was Alabama, and now it's Georgia. And other teams are going to try to compete for those same players, recognizing we've got to have the best if we're going to have a chance at things. So I think what the the storyline was, how unbelievably bizarre it's been that Auburn became a basketball school and and just totally forgot that, you know, they were relevant or at one time relevant in in the football sphere. And for them to be returning to that space or trying to, making an effort, they're so far behind the eight ball now, let's be honest. I mean, a, a program takes years to develop and, one of the best things that happened is Kirby walked into a, a place where Georgia was not at rock bottom. And Auburn, I think, was pretty close, if not already there. And that's going to be a tough road to hoe to rebuild a program that uh, once knew what it meant to be competitive on a national scale and is not anywhere close or hasn't been these past few years. And listen, you can say what you want about Hugh Freeze and the, some of the stuff away from the football field. Obviously, people have said plenty about all that and i understand why they would but this is a guy who understands the sec right i mean it's like you look at the way in which these you know navigated the transfer portal ahead of this season i thought they had a pretty good you know kind of rushed late class you know when he you know kind of first got the job there he's talked a lot about building on the lines of scrimmage he obviously understands that's what the sec you know kind of requires this is a guy that you know beat alabama twice when he's old miss coach you know one, one of the worst losses of the kirby smart era was to Hugh Freeze in 2016 very different version of Georgia football from what it is now but still it happened um that that Hugh Freeze is a living breathing SEC coach what's funny is a lot of Auburn fans did not want to hire him because they thought they were going to be embarrassed by some of the off-field stuff and you know who knows you know what the future holds as far as that kind of thing goes but the only thing I can judge is what he does in the football field and there's no doubt that Hugh Freeze is of the level of an SEC coach and from that standpoint it is a night and day difference from where things were with Brian Harson. oh yeah I mean we're not talking about him as a man or some of his off the field decisions those are <laughs> very much up for debate what is not is his ability to compete and coach football uh, he's a he's a very well-established, a good football coach, and uh, that's what Auburn was buying when they got him. Now, you know, you have to take into account that there's there's a lot of baggage that he brings with him, but what's not what's not debatable is his ability to, to coach football and compete and know what it takes to win in the SEC, and the fact that there's a focus on the trenches is a testament to that. I mean, Yes, you have to have playmakers. Yes, the game is evolving. Yes, uh, you know everybody wants a, a core of wide receivers that are full of playmakers. But at the end of the day, if you can't protect your quarterback or you can't get after the quarterback and stop the run, uh, a lot of those points become pretty moot. And the SEC is is at the foreground in the front of all the leagues and, and really across college football saying, you know, that's where we start and we build out from the inside. 
a couple quick things i've kept you long i don't mean to i want to get two more issues in before we let you go if you don't mind practice for georgia officially starts this week they've been working on obviously very hard all summer long but now it's the true fall camp if you were there and you could put your eyes in any direction where would you be looking what's interesting to you right now about georgia as it gets ready to get back to work here this week well i I think uh you know i did a little networking thing uh with some of the players this past week and they would uh, argue that training camp has already started, whether it's official or not. <laughs> Mini camps and all those things. So, uh, yeah, yeah, officially starts Wednesday, I guess, but that's only on paper. Uh, where I would direct my eyes is, is really across that D-line. I'd like to see, you know, as, as new faces and younger faces emerge, what's that going to look like, um, you know, over the past couple of years? There's been a lot of attrition there, obviously, with Jordan Davis and now Jalen Carter, the transfer of Bayer. Um, I want to see the, the emergence and, and the development of some of the younger players. Michael Williams is a guy that, you know, is, is going to step up and, and uh, hopefully be one of those names. How about, how about pass rushers off the edge? Um, Marvin Jones, what's that year look like for year two in him with, the, with them healthy? Uh, there are some guys that I think have some some really high ceilings. Uh, how about some of the the five star <coughs> true freshmen? Um, what do they bring to the table, and, and what's their role? So, you know, for me, obviously, I played offensive tackle, and I want to see uh, how we can affect people up front. And that D line is kind of an exciting position group. Uh, to see how it all works out and how it emerges and how they deploy the various personnel groupings and uh, should be an exciting position group to watch. And then finally, on a completely different subject, we found out this weekend that Sonny Michel is stepping away from his uh, pro football career. And, John, I think he goes down as one of the most beloved Bulldogs of all time. Like, I love Sonny Michel. I thought mm-hmm. it was so much fun to watch, but he also just – handle his business in such a great way at Georgia him obviously Nick Chubb and those guys who came back for the 2017 season gave us an incredible memory like I don't know how high your highest shelf is but uh on my memories uh Michelle would be on the highest shelf I got I- I'm sure you feel pretty close the same way oh yeah that one-two punch of Nick Chubb and Tony Michelle for for Georgia fans that uh it was hard to mention one without the other and what he was able to do and, and uh, mark that he left on Georgia, the program, the school, uh, and the fan base is, is second to none. I'm grateful for him that he is one of the DGDs. Yeah. And um, congratulations on a, on a great career, two Super Bowl championships, and yeah. um, left his mark on the league as well. But uh, I think you, you, you can see uh, an appreciation and appreciate for guys that are willing to recognize um, that it's not just about money. And uh, for him, from what I understand, he's saying, I'm, I'm listening to my body, and it's time. And so uh, that's, that's a difficult decision for a lot of folks when they say, you know, there's still opportunity to, to make some pretty incredible money. But you, when, when you can weigh all the options and say, my, my body is – uh, telling me something, and, and I need to listen to it. 
I've got a lot of respect for guys that are willing to make that decision. No, John, I think that's absolutely right. And I, I just appreciate that insight. And you obviously, you know, know that yourself from having been a different position, of course, but in the NFL too. And, you know, that desire to keep on playing that game just, you know, continues, right? Because, you know, I, I'm sure there's a, a certain thought of you can't imagine yourself as no longer a player when you've been a player for quite some time. But there also kind of come, becomes that moment in which, you know, from a health standpoint, it is time to sort of think about your life away from football too, I guess, right? Oh, yeah, and, and uh, there's a real pressure, whether internal or external, that if you can, you should. If you can still play, then you should still play. But yet, uh, if your body is thin, um, there, there's a, a high toll to it. Um, it's, it's something that, that really weighs on guys, and it, it's a big part of many of uh, many players' identity of this is me as a football player, who am I without it, and uh, if you can separate those things and recognize it's something that you're able to do and doesn't define you, uh, I think you're much better situated in life to to see that it's a unique opportunity and I'm grateful for it, but isn't defining of who you are. John, great stuff. Terrific insight. Thanks for your time. We'll look forward to talking to you again next week. At that point, we'll have gotten some information from Georgia out of these early practices and we'll kind of see where things are shaking out we'll be that much closer to the start of the season there as well so we appreciate your time and we'll look forward to talking to you then always a pleasure go dogs thank you let's take a look around the rest of the league this is sec through i'm a big baseball fan i love the movie moneyball i'm sure many of you've seen and there's that line in the movie i'll butcher it i'm not great at remembering specific lines you know accurately but it's something the effect of you know the scout says, hey, at some point we're all told we can no longer play the kid's game, right? For some of us, it happens when we're this age, and for some of us, it happens when we're you know, much, much older, but eventually we're all sort of told we can no longer play. And with that in mind, I think a guy like Sonny Michel walking away kind of under his own terms here uh, and you know, kind of making his own decision when to step away, I, I think there is some real power in that. And obviously, I was not an athlete the way that Sonny Michel is, so I can't really kind of put myself in his shoes but i can kind of imagine right it's like you know like i did a game for sony in high school you know play-by-play broadcast back when he was at american heritage like in like 2013 or something like that was it 2013 2014 maybe it's 2014 maybe it's 2014 um it's a long time ago though right um uh no he'd been a freshman at georgia 2014 so i guess it wasn't 2013 a long time ago long time ago so I mean, this guy who's been a football player in our lives, a, a great player in our mind for a very long time. And, you know, there is something to be said for when you look around and say, hey, you know what? I've kind of taken a pounding here. I've made a name for myself. My legacy is cemented. I can move on to the next thing. So obviously we wish Sony Michelle very, very well in this next chapter. And we, I mean, I'm just telling you, I know Georgia fans would feel the same way. Just thank him. Sincere, heartfelt thanks for just some outstanding memories just some outstanding memories uh and a georgia uniform and obviously we're proud of him when he moved on to the nfl there as well uh truly a dgd sometimes we debate is so-and-so a dgd <laughs> the debate about sony michelle and his dgd status his damn good dog status that debate would be roughly one nanosecond long uh that would be a very very short uh, deliberation in terms of sony michelle dgd status i think we would all agree on that something that we hope we all also agree on and that's a royal caribbean cruise vacation we get ready to go cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and the thing i'm excited about can't wait to tell you more about we're getting close in fact on saturday when i was there at um 
D1 training with some uh, great dog fans. A couple came up and they said, hey, we are going on the uh, uh, Dog Nation cruise in April. And so I celebrated with them. We talked about how excited we were. And I told them what I've been telling you, uh, which is that it's truly going to be bigger and better than it's ever been before. Obviously, we've been able to do this a couple times, and it's been super fun. And I think the pressure is on to make it even better in April of 2024. So we're going to meet that moment by being on board an Oasis-class ship. I'm talking about a lure of the seas, one of the largest cruise ships at sea. We're going to be on it, and we're going to provide bigger and better Dog Nation-themed events for the hundreds of folks who are going to be on board there as well. Now, when you're hearing from all these people who are like, hey, BAF signed up, I'm going, I'm going to be there. Every time somebody says that, that's one less stateroom that we have to offer to you. And there is a limited number. The reason why is because the ship itself sells out. So we have to kind of partition our rooms, kind of hold on to those. So we literally don't have extra inventory on this because once that's gone, the entire ship's probably also kind of sold out there as well. So you got to be on board. You got to be ready to go. It's going to be a great time. Jessica Slater is a great travel agent. She's got a website that she's put together called RoyalDogs.com. You can go there. You can find out all about it. Boy, it's going to be an awesome time. All right. Let us cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean here for a moment. Now, as I told John Stinchcomb a moment ago, and as I told all of you off the top of the show, there is an element to what Auburn did this weekend with its Big Cat Weekend. It's real. This is this is real. This is happening. Uh, they are going to probably be a factor in recruiting with Hugh Freeze's coach, which I've kind of been telling you about for a while. Um, they're going to probably be a factor in these kinds of recruiting battles in a way in which they have not been for quite some time. And for Georgia, as of yet, I'm not quite so sure this is all that worthy of too much of your attention. As we said before, the Georgia recruiting machine kind of rolled right on this weekend, no matter what Auburn was doing, noisy, loud, boisterous. Georgia, kind of quiet, calm, and collected, was taking a good linebacker commit, hosting some good visitors. So everything's kind of fine on the Georgia front. Let me tell you who ought to be a little uh, tighter around the collar right now. That's Alabama. What's happening in Alabama as it relates to Auburn is probably worth your attention because guess what? As we told you whatever day it was, Thursday of last week, whenever it was, the fact that uh, Alabama rolled out the red carpet for Demarcus Riddick, you know, limo ride or not quite limo, but fancy car ride to the front of the stadium for A-Day and all the other stuff they rolled out for him. The fact that Auburn just took him like it was their job if I'm Alabama, that makes me a little nervous. And then you got uh, Perry Thompson, big-time wide receiver out of Foley, Alabama. That's a five-star receiver. Had been an Alabama commit. Auburn just flipped him just like that this weekend. Watch out for this. Be careful about this. This is the thing, if I'm an Alabama fan, I'm noticing, is that, you know, Georgia's so far out in front of the rest of college football right now that, you know, a you know some tiny rumblings coming out of Auburn, some tiny, you know, little ripples coming out of Auburn. That doesn't quite get Georgia's attention as of yet. Maybe one day it will. Auburn certainly hopes that it does. Someone's going to emerge as a rival to Georgia. That's just the way the SEC goes. Someone eventually will build something to try to compete alongside Georgia. That's going to happen eventually, you would think. Maybe it'll be Auburn. Who knows? It's not relevant to UGA too much as of yet. My gosh, it's relevant to Alabama here right now. Now, the sea change doesn't occur overnight. It doesn't. Uh, you know, there, there's still a built-in advantage Alabama has over Auburn. But Auburn is doing more than just getting noticed in comparison to Alabama. They're taking players that Alabama wants. And, you know, while Nick Saban was, you know, gallivanting around Italy, Hugh Freeze was working, right? And you're seeing some fruit 
of, of that work being done by Hugh Freeze here. That's this is real. This is this is this is a thing that's happening. And if you're an Alabama fan, you ought to notice, and especially when it comes to a guy like Thompson, who plays a position that Alabama's had such great success with. Uh, you know, the fact that that's who Hugh Freeze is taking here. If I'm an Alabama fan, I ought to be paying attention to this. And I don't know. I think the Iron Bowl this year has gotten a lot more interesting now because of the presence of Hugh Freeze. And, you know, this is the way that it probably should be in the SEC. But this is the way that it is right now there when it comes to all that. Speaking of recruiting conversation, let's keep that going there as well. When you look at the next story that I think that needs to be on your mind, which is we now have an date for the nate frazier commitment it's going to be august 6th that's the day after kj bolden goes on august 5th and frazier's one of those guys we talked to jeff Santilla about this on on friday when he's on the show frazier is a guy that georgia fans have obviously grown to really like here and so watching what happens with this over the course of the next week going to be a really big deal big time running back we now know the date in which frazier will announce it's going to be august 6th and everybody's going to be paying very close attention to this. We'll see how the, uh, I guess, the narrative evolves as you head towards that. But a big date that ought to be on your mind there. And then finally, there's this. Once again, kind of on the recruiting front here, Georgia wide receiver commit Nitro Tuggle, who was supposed to go to uh, IMG Academy. He put something out on Twitter this weekend. And this is like more of like a procedural thing than a football thing, but something related to, I guess, IMG's changed management companies now and all of a sudden now that I guess he was going to be like a one semester transfer just for football. They don't really do that anymore. He said, so he's got to go back to Indiana where he was from. You know, I, I don't know. This is you know necessarily that big of a deal one way or another. I was looking forward to seeing Tuggle playing, you know, for IMG from the standpoint that this is a guy who's kind of rocketed up those recruiting boards and obviously playing with the IMG spotlight on him playing and getting that sort of extra level of attention for that could have allowed that to continue maybe it still continues there in indiana we just may see less of him up there in the hoosier state than we would have if he had stayed down there in bradenton there at uh, img academy i don't know this is a great look for img a guy that thought he was going to be able to go there and all of a sudden now he's not going to be able to go there that seems like a little bit of a weird thing for img but i guess they've got a business to run so they're going to do that the way they want to but tuggle is one of those guys as Georgia fans have been kind of left to wonder, okay, what is this current status of, you know, wide receiver recruiting and all this stuff related to, you know, big names that you thought Georgia might be involved with that maybe now they're not quite as involved with as you wish they would have been and whatever's going on there on that. You know, Tuggle's been one of those guys that Georgia fans have reconsidered here because you've seen him really climb the recruiting rankings and, uh, you know, really kind of become a pretty valued recruit here. But maybe, you know, Maybe not being an IMG Academy kind of takes the spotlight off him here a little bit, but yeah, that's a story that's out there. Wanted to make you aware of that. We'll make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And something else I want you to be aware of there as well. A brand new offering from our friends at Dr. Pepper. You've heard me talk about this before. Dr. Pepper Strawberries and Cream. Now listen, I love Dr. Pepper and it has been so much fun watching people get introduced to this brand new permanent flavor offering from Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper Strawberries and Cream and Dr. Pepper Strawberries and Cream Zero Sugar. Nobody does the Zero, zero Sugar offerings uh, better than our friends at Dr. Pepper do. They're just legendary at that and obviously we think about dr pepper you know kind of being around college football for a long time and obviously we're coming up on an upcoming new season and so a great time to get stocked up on dr pepper strawberries and cream and dr pepper strawberries and cream zero sugar here today it's at your local kroger or pretty much wherever you do your grocery shopping you can find some dr pepper strawberries and cream 
and Dr. Pepper strawberries and cream, zero sugar. Make sure you try some today. All right, Golden Shoe today is related to the Sony Michelle retirement. Somebody shared this tweet with me. I wanted to share it with you. I thought this was really uh, fun coming from the dean of the Grady School there at UGA, Charles Davis, writing on Twitter. So in response to the idea that Sony Michelle is retiring, Charles N. Davis on Twitter writes that Sony showed up for a uh, an event that the Grady School of Journalism was hosting the Monday at the Georgia-Florida game. He stayed there for a while. He says he was gracious and caring, as you expected he would be. And then Charles Davis says, I asked him if he was tired, and he said, this is a great line, he says, no, they never hit me. So certainly you get a golden shoe for that if you're Sonny Michelle, and obviously Charles Davis, who shared the story of uh, Sonny Michelle saying after playing Florida in 2017, no, I'm not tired at all. They never even laid a hand on me. If you remember that game, you know how true that is. So very good stuff and fitting way to end Sonny Michelle's football career there. How about the lousy, stinking Gators? Will they lay a hand on Georgia this year? We don't think so either. In fact, our Gator Hater Countdown lets you know that 89 days from now, Georgia back in Jacksonville, beating up on Florida. Y'all have a great day. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella, window and door of Georgia. We'll look forward to talking to you then.